What's going on, everybody? Thanks for checking out this episode of The Show, The Podcast. Be sure to leave a five-star review, and I'll shout you out in the next episode. But right now, it's time to take the field. Yo, what is going on, boys and girls? Welcome back to The Show, The Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny, and uh, next to me is my man, Jonathan, a.k.a. Awesome John 21 uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming. How are you doing on this fine Monday evening? I am doing great. Thank you for having me on the show today. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, if you guys listening or watching, because this is an episode that's on YouTube today, um, if you're surprised that I am here, I too am surprised that I am here. I was not under the impression that I would have a computer today. Um, as I detailed a little bit in the last episode, Apple is the worst with customer service. And uh, I will be trading this laptop in whenever uh, the package gets here to, you know, give me the shipping materials to, to send it in to trade in. So um, we're on a day-by-day, fly-by-night basis here. So uh, very happy to be here. Was able to talk to my man, Jonathan, tonight sooner than maybe I think we both anticipated. It looked like we were going to have to push it back. Um, but MLB The Show, San Diego Studio, dropped a, a survey on us, I don't know what, 15 minutes before we started recording. So that gave us content to immediately talk about. And we are going to kind of work on that survey together in the first half of this episode. Then uh, Jonathan's going to tell us all about his background. He's only 14 years old and he's streaming and doing high school and, you know, also being a 14 year old at the same time. So we're going to get his perspectives on all of that. Uh, and before we jump in, I just wanted to, to plug something I, I mentioned in a couple episodes prior. Um, the channel and the podcast, it might be just evolving a little bit as, uh, you know, you find your niche and you hope to grow. So I, I've started to get into card collecting again. When I was younger, I was collecting baseball cards. Every time I went to the store, I think I was begging my mom to buy me another pack of cards. So uh, we're kind of back into it now, hoping to see what we get, maybe get some good pulls, do some breaks potentially. Uh, and, and right now I have a few cards that I am actually auctioning online. If you guys want to get involved in, um, you know, maybe getting a cool card that you didn't have previously by all means. So I'm going to, if, if you're listening, you won't be able to see these cards that I'm showing you right now. Uh, but if you're watching, you'll obviously see them. I'll do my best to describe them. Uh, we have a game worn relic Pete Alonzo Jersey card, uh, from the 2020 tops holiday box. So that's one I, I truthfully could just keep myself if, if the auction doesn't go as planned, but for you guys, if you like Pete Alonso, if you like the Mets, it's up there. Uh, we have a short print, Bryce Harper in a Santa hat. That's right, in a Santa hat. Go get him. We have short print, Chris Bryant in a Christmas scarf. Um, apparently, these are all the rage in the winter season. Two more here. We have a Reds prospect. This is an autograph, Jackson Miller from the 2020 Leaf draft set. And last one, last name I will probably butcher. I believe he's a Giants prospect autographed Jimmy Glowenki. Glowenki, I have absolutely no friggin' idea. Um, but these cards are all up there. If you guys are interested, I will be posting some more in the next couple days. Uh, coming soon to post, I have uh, Kyle Lewis rookie card from the 2020 Tops Holiday Box and Bo Bichette rookie card from the 2020 Tops Holiday Box. Not particularly super rare cards, but they're variants of rookies. And uh, hopefully those guys have very, very long careers. Um, Jonathan, just before we get into the survey, uh, I mean, Bo Bichette and Kyle Lewis have kind of taken the league by storm these last couple of years. Do you think they uh, hopefully have long all-star careers ahead of them? 
Uh, I definitely think Bichette has that kind of future, especially as a top shortstop in the MLB. I think he definitely, like I said, has that potential. Kyle Lewis, I, I'm not completely sure on this. Oh, hot take. Okay. Yeah, but from from what I've seen, this was a uh, start a stepping stone. I do think uh, if it was a normal season, I do think Kyle Lewis would not have been as good as he was, just like Trevor Bauer. But I do think he definitely had a good season. I think he makes a couple all-star careers. John is coming in with the fire, the absolute fire. Someone tell Trevor Bauer on Twitter that he just got clapped by Jonathan Beard. Let him know. I want to I hear the, 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 the clap back. That's what I want. All right, so we're going to jump into the survey. And now I'm going to explain what this survey is. Um, MLB The Show – Thank you, everyone, uh, for being – you know, I'll just read the intro here. Thank you for being an amazing baseball-loving community. We appreciate your honest opinions, which is something they truthfully do. San Diego Studio loves people being honest, even if it means shitting on their game. They, they truthfully appreciate the critics. Um, so we want your honest opinions about Diamond Dynasty player items and modes. We will be sharing your collective responses with you, the community, once these responses have been tabulated. Uh, it doesn't say when exactly that is. It doesn't say how long the survey will be out. But it does say thank you for taking the time to complete the survey. And I do want to shout out my guy, Ty Guy, who is a friend of the show, was on the podcast not that long ago. He just tweeted before, you guys want a better game? This is how we start. As a community, we give honest feedback. We don't just write your game sucks in every single question box. We need to legitimately, honestly, take the time, fill the survey out, and – for all we complain about MLB The Show 20, usually it's warranted. I mean, this game has its flaws. If we want a better game next year, which we already know, also based on this, probably delayed. If they're asking for help now, we know it's probably delayed again. But let's be good consumers of this game. Right, John? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. This is a... This is something SES is known pretty well for, as in knowing like knowing their community, actually listening. There's been a whole lot of stuff in the past that we've seen mm-hmm. that actually shows that they they listen to us, you know. And they gave us that. If you remember a couple months ago, the they upgraded to Tiefs to a 99 overall for 48 hours. That was a great example of SDS listening to our community and knowing that is what we wanted because we that was just a preview for the monthly awards obviously except that was that was what we needed that was the difference in change of what usually happens that we needed to know like be comfortable with hey this game is actually going to be going somewhere in the future Mm -hmm. and you know i'm obviously more involved in this community than i am in other games i do play other games but like this is the community that i spend the most time in i would think as a vo- as a community, we're pretty vocal, but we're not too like over the top vocal. Like we're a pretty tame, reasonable community. Yeah. But we know some of the guys at SDS by first name. Like we know Ramon, we know Victor, we know the community managers. Like these people put themselves out there to be part of the community that they're creating a game for. And I think we have to really take advantage of this opportunity right now. Will they listen to us? Who knows? We hope so. But if enough of us speak out on the same topic and have the same opinion maybe some changes happen, right? That's, that's pretty much how the world works. We're not going to get into politics here, but that's how the world works. You, people voice their opinions, and if it's a reasonable opinion, it gets heard. So we're going to start. Me and John are going to kind of work on this together. We're going to do this from my phone, so it's my response. I, I don't know if he's going to do one separately or later on. I don't want to muddy up his responses. I want him to take time and think about his own, but we'll do mine here. Uh, we'll do it in a collaborative effort. So first question, doesn't look like it's too many questions. Yeah, it's maybe 15 questions or so. It's not that bad. Who is your favorite program boss? So 
I would think it would be any program boss from what the fourth or fifth inning and 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 later, right? Is that when the ninety nine started dropping? Uh, fifth inning was the one with the ninety nines. So that, that was with Ortiz and Mo and Walker, right? Okay, so who do you think? Who's who's your favorite program boss? Oh, uh, I I think mine would have to be uh, Jimmy Fox. I think that card was just it's it's just going to be the end game catcher. We already know it. Uh, if even if they drop a ninety nine Adley, uh, he does not play first base. But even then, if that card is just insanely lethal, Jimmy Fox still can play first and third base. I think that card is all around just absolutely insane. It gave me, like, I was uh, at the baseball field. I was just doing some random practicing with my friend. Uh, when we saw, we were watching the stream as well. And when Jimmy Fox came out, I was immediately like, I was immediately like, end game. Because <laughs> all I needed to see was that he had catcher secondary. And those attributes, they just, they just all around did a great job with that Jimmy Fox card. Uh, definitely has to be my favorite. So you could interpret this question several ways. Most reasonable people will interpret it as which program boss did you perform the best with? Right. Um, but if we're going to say favorite for me, uh, you guys can see it back there. I point to it almost every episode. Ken Griffey Jr. is my favorite player of all time. And the fact that he was given a solo program by himself means a, they were really trying to set him aside, set him apart or B, they just didn't have any more program bosses. So they gave him his own. Um, and I also interpret it as who's your favorite, maybe who had the most longevity and I will, or who'd you have the most fun using. And I had a ton of fun using Larry Walker. Larry Walker was almost end game. In my opinion, almost end game. He's not in my lineup right now. I mean, look at the guys who've come out in the last three months, but Larry Walker was a guy who was in my lineup for a really, really long time. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think personally, I'm going to put Ken Griffey. Uh, I, I agree with you on Jimmy Fox as well, how he's, he, he's easily a top five, maybe top three program boss. I end up using Salvador Perez at catcher, actually. Um, Jimmy Fox, his defense, we don't have to talk about that. We know it's not great. Um, and something about Salvador Perez's swing, too. He hits absolute nukes if you barrel the ball up. So, uh, for me, I'm going to go with Ken Griffey, but... Jimmy Fox is 100% an acceptable answer. I think he's one of the top six, seven overall hitters in the game. I give him top five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's excellent. I think I was thinking Griffey as well as one of those. I mean, I've only used him for nine at bats, and I went like I didn't do excellent with him, and this was on Legend. But personally, I choose it's between for a lot of people Soto and Griffey, and I went Soto. I have six hundred and six. 65 at bats with the prestige i just mm -hmm. i'm hitting like 370 on hoff and legend i just love his swing uh his defense i have willie mays in center field so his defense doesn't cost me too much but i i really just love the soto swing and the ability to be able to hit the lefties that come out the bullpen if they gave griffey like what i was thinking when they first tweeted it out that griffey was the boss was i was thinking that like it's going to be three different griffeys a defense mm -hmm focused a contact focus and a power focus if that came out i was just gonna go absolutely ecstatic but they only dropped one and if it was better versus lefties i might use them but i i'm still not comfortable putting him in over soto yeah see i've used griffey a lot um because i have not unlocked 
Willie Mays. I have not really had the drive to make that World Series push these last few months since he's been out. Uh, and the million stub order is like, it's yeah. you're, you're going to be buried on that list. So my outfield has been Prestige Soto, Prestige Trout, and Griffey, who I'm almost done prestiging. And even though his lefty stats are rough, um, you kind of get bailed out because the auto shift is on, and a lot of people don't turn that off. I've turned it off, but a lot of people don't. Um, and something about, I mean, his swing is just glitchy. I know it's a little long, but if your PCI is even kind of close to the ball and it's a good time swing, it's, it's hit somewhere. Um, but I, I mean, people using Willie Mays over Griffey obviously makes so much sense. I've also never been good with Willie Mays ever. So I just haven't had the drive to do that there. Uh, so this, this next one's really fun because you could take this many ways. Uh, I know right, right away some of the guys I'm thinking of. What is the scariest player for you to pitch against? John, what do you think? I don't even – I really can't even decide. I guess if I have to give an answer, it's got to be Finest Bellinger. I cannot mm. get that card out no matter who I use, no matter what I do. I cannot get him out. It, I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's either Soto, Bellinger, or the stupidest answer that I feel so stupid even saying right now. The 99 Reggie Jackson, I don't – it doesn't matter where I pitch it. Doesn't matter. It's it's a nuke somewhere. I remember those days. I, I could not get him out either. Um, you know, lefty submarine, hundred two up in the zone. Doesn't matter. He's it's hitting somewhere. Uh, but if we're gonna go practically here, as far as cards that are still in use, I agree with you, Cody Bellinger. So we'll say ninety nine finest Cody Bellinger. Which, by the way, is my end game first baseman. He's yeah. He's the best. Best first baseman, I think. I mean, and I have Babe Ruth on my bench, and I love Babe Ruth. I think Bellinger's better. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, so now we've got a little option question here. Uh, when constructing your Diamond Dynasty rotation, <laughs> which is hysterical in itself because none of the pitchers work, uh, what is the most important element you are looking for? So I'm going to read the options here. Control, hitting, error, not ERA, it specifically says ERA, meaning the time at which the pitcher's pitched, which is bonkers to me, but whatever. Velocity, balance, I guess as far as lefties versus righties, velocity versus control, something like that. Uh, team affiliation, that would be for team builds, so I don't think that's too important. Overall rating, pitch repertoire. So let's see, can we select multiple or does it have to be one? Has to be one, okay. John, what do you think? I have a couple ideas here, but what do you think? Um. For me, there's a couple of them, like team affiliation era I absolutely, and hitting, I absolutely don't care about. I, I yeah. don't at all. Um, but I think for me personally, I'm not looking at velocity because Nate Pearson just isn't good. Lefty Grove, even though I really love that card, uh, is not that good. He doesn't have that two-seamer. I think I'm really looking for pitch repertoire or rotation balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that repertoire is the most important thing in the game. Uh, that's one of the reasons I, um, 16 and 0, I brought back Bruce Dargraderol for my rotation uh, just because I felt like it like last week and he's 16 and 0. So I think it, it's just his repertoire. His control is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like 65 walks per nine, except his repertoire and his motion is just absolutely insane. Al Leiter, same thing, sinker cutter. Uh, if you have those two pitches, you're, you're going to be all right. You just have to be able to locate them and your smooth sailing right there. Repertoire has to be the most important thing for me. Yeah, I, I think I'm in agreement with you there. It's either repertoire for me or it sounds very 
what's the word? Um, oh, it's escaping me. But uh, overall rating was going to be my other one. And I only mean that because it's not that I need to visually have a team of all 99s. But, I mean, there's a reason a card's a 99 versus a 94. Like, the attributes, there are more of them to spread around. And that is why the card is right, rated higher. Um, you know, the 99 Greg Maddox is better than the 89 Greg Maddox. So, like, it, the rating there means something. But I do 100% agree with you. Pitch repertoire is the most important thing. Um, just think about Battle Royale. Again, not a thing I'm good at and not a thing I'm going to ever really give a ton of advice on. But when you're stuck drafting those common and bronze pitchers what's the one thing you're looking for to make your your pick it's who has a sinker who has a cutter maybe even who has like a circle change something that moves a little bit different to get people off off balance so i think without question is pitch repertoire um and there is an other category so you can like make up some stupid reason uh you could be like pitchers who don't hang their curveballs which is a running trend this year but pitch repertoire yeah, right? That's a problem for everybody. Um, but we're going to go with pitch repertoire here. I think that's the wise answer. Uh, next question. Do you use your create a player in ranked seasons? John, do you use your create a player? Um, I'm going to plug a little bit of self-promo in here. Do it. Plug it. Plug it. Uh, I have been doing a lot of TikToks and YouTube shorts, which are basically TikToks. I've been doing a lot of those on create a player. So I spent a couple hours going through the generic swings. And I found like at least a, like a couple, like a hundred swings that I want to use. And I've had, I've done them. I've done like Barry Bonds' swing is Legend Stance 6. Uh, Mark Deshera, David Wright, Roberto Clemente, A-Rod. Uh, I don't usually use a cap on a decent like basis, but for this content, and I'm having a whole lot of fun using their swings, I definitely use them for this purpose, but not regularly. This man is doing the Lord's work right now, finding the batting stances everybody wants. Where, where can they find you on TikTok and YouTube? Let them know. Uh, they can find me on TikTok for – it's Awesome John Gaming on TikTok and Awesome John 21 Gaming on YouTube. All right, so find him there. Watch all of his content, but specifically these shorts. If, you, if you're someone who uses a cap and you want to find those cool stances and maybe you're just too lazy to look, John's done it for you. Um, so I'm going to say no to using a creative player. I have not used my cap in a very long time. Uh, early in the game when none of the catchers were good, I used a cap. Um, I, I truthfully, and I don't mean this to take away from your content opportunities, I truthfully don't think you should be able to use a cap in Diamond Dynasty. There are, so, there are so many players and so many cards, and I think SDS needs to do a better job eliminating trolls. Right. Every game is going to have online trolls. It's almost unavoidable, but like the lefty submarining cap with a hundred two mile an hour fastball and 65 mile an hour changeup that needs to be abolished from this earth. Exactly. I was trying to do, uh, I was doing an Ina slaughter debut yesterday. Um, and I faced, I didn't even, I stopped recording this video because I was just so upset because I couldn't do anything. It was a, I won four, three, but I faced Steven Wright a submarining 102 lefty cap and Ryan Farabend. And that was, that was, I couldn't, I was really upset about it. Like, and what, um, what difficulty was that on? Uh, Hall, Hall of Fame. And like, these are the people we allow to buy and play this game. Right. Um, I mean, I guess if you're going to use Stephen Wright and Ryan Farabend in any ranked capacity, I mean, use them at your own risk because they can get torched because they don't throw very hard, but at the same time, their ball moves 87 feet in every direction. Right. 
Um, so I think we're in consensus here. Don't use a cap, but absolutely go follow all the stuff he's doing on TikTok and YouTube with his, uh, custom caps. We'll call them all, all the different things he's doing there. Um, next question. This is a fun one. I like this one. What position gives you the most difficulty in selecting your starter? Basically the question is another way to word it. Which position do you feel is deepest right now? Deepest in relevant options. So, John, what do you – well, they also – they kind of screwed themselves over here because I think I would have just put outfield as one bucket. They did it as left, center, and right. Um, so I think that makes the question actually harder to answer because I would normally just group all my outfielders together. But basically, John, what do you think here? Uh, this is obviously MLB 20's the biggest year in content. Uh, every I have no difficulties pit, really putting anybody anywhere. Uh, right now, my infield is Ruth Hornsby – um, Tatis, I mean, Honus Wagner and Corey Seager. Mm-hmm. Corey Seager is arguably like one of the best hitters in the game. I guess at third base, that's just where I'm going to have to put it uh, because he is a shortstop and shortstop. Third baseman have just been pretty hard to find, at least primary wise. I mean, you got Donaldson as a flawless reward, Chipper's flawless, um, Machado's 260K, and his swing isn't that good. It's just pretty hard to find some decent third baseman in primary third baseman in this year's game. So I will say I actually like Machado. Um, I know I'm in the minority there. Um, something about his swing rewards late swings. He hits the ball very well to the opposite field, which not a lot of hitters do. Um, he's got a quick bat, but also like a weirdly quick bat. So you just got to kind of get used to it. I mean, his defense, he's made so many gold glove plays for me at third base. And I know defense is not really the most important thing when you want just guys who hit home runs, but it's a welcome addition to have someone who can field on the left side. Um, For me, this question's hard. I'm between first and second. So first base, I have Bellinger, who I think is the guy but I've done so well with Babe Ruth and he's my first lefty bat off the bench. Um, and then at second base right now, I'm using prestige Mookie actually, but to come back to Corey Seager, the swing is so beautiful right. and he's got the reverse platoon. He's not the worst fielder on earth. He's a gold badge, but kind of on the lower end. Um, that's a position I can flip back and forth. Cause sometimes Mookie is great against lefties even. But there are sometimes, well, you'll perfect, perfect a ball to dead center field and it stops on the track. Right. And that is so frustrating. So I would, I think I'm going to go second base here. Is that, is that really off base to go that? No, not at all. Not at all. And usually it would be because like, like I said, which position is deepest. So you could be like, oh, the outfield. If it was outfield as one category, I would have picked the outfield hands down. Mm-hmm. But I think for second base, it's actually because there aren't enough good options. Right. Um, you know, you could play Hannes Wagner there. You could play Tatis there. Hornsby, obviously still very much an option, but I think at this point in the game, you're really only down to a couple. Right. Um, and you even argue catcher because there aren't a ton of good options either, but you've just, you know, Jimmy Fox is, is maybe like one of your favorite players. So, um, that's a good question. Everyone answer that question. Truthfully answer all of them truthfully, but definitely that one. That's a good question. Uh, what is your favorite showdown? Huh. See, truthfully, I don't know if I remember any two specifically. I don't know if that means it's bad or if it means they're all easy because they kind of are all easy. Oh, um, what do you think? 
Uh, I went run it back hands down was extremely easy for me. Uh, it's mm. 15 nothing. You're facing a like Blair, Bly Levin, Cliff Lee pitcher. You have like 399 overalls. Your team is absolutely loaded, 20 outs. Uh, it's, it's 15 minutes and it's a free 75K stubs if you get the highest round with like Josh Hader and those guys. Um, so run it back for me. For I don't I haven't used it often, but I think as a stub farming uh, method, I think run it back definitely uh, is my favorite one for that reason. Yeah, normally I don't know what I'd put here, but I think conceptually run it back is such a good idea. Such a good idea. And even if it's like, like you said, if you have time and you need stubs, just go run it. Literally run it back. Like you don't have to do it just to get the card out of it. You could do it to to get stubs or even just practice and get better. I'm gonna say run it back. I like that. Um, the other one I would have said was the, um, the extreme program. Cause that one was actually hard. Um, uh, I think I did it on my first or second try, but it like, I had to be locked in. Yeah. Like, absolutely that. locked in. That was Yelich is still, a st- he's still on my bench. He's been there since the minute he dropped the, well, I did the show not first, of course, but the day he dropped, he's still on my bench. First lefty bench option. Mm-hmm. Next one. What relief pitcher player item? is the most difficult for you to hit off of. <sighs> I'm not a good hitter, really, at all. So they all give me problems. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I put a roll this Chapman, hands down. Uh, my starting pitcher won. Uh, I'll say it when we get to that. But a roll this Chapman, I, I cannot hit him at all. I change up my tendencies to a roll this Chapman, which PCI I use, where I start the PCI, which hitters I use, no matter what I do. I cannot hit a roll this Chapman. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I can't do it on legend on hall of fame on all-star. It's just impossible for me. Yeah. Chapman is definitely in my, my top three of hardest hit relievers. Uh, I very recently just figured out Garrett crochet, which I'm very proud of. Um, I can hit him. Okay. I actually love pitching with him too. Um, Dibble still gives me problems just because the cutter is so slow and I just can't recognize it out of the hand. So if you're sitting fastball, you're absolutely screwed on the cutter. Um, but I also think there are enough good lefty bats in this game where you can kind of get away with it a little bit and, and hit them a little. Um, trying to think. Rivera, I pitch well with him, but he's pretty easy to hit. Uh, Kenley is so easy to hit. Goose Gossage might be the best attributed bad pitcher I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not him. Trying to go through my own personal bullpen. I think it's a role to Chapman. I really, I, I think you're 100% on base there. The, the fact that he's got five pitches and the, the windup is so hard to pick the ball up out of his hand. Um, and it tells you, too, with all the 99s that have just come out, 99 Josh Hader, 99 Andrew Miller, even 98 Brett Hand, Chapman is still a lot of people's go-to lefty. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with that. In your experience, this is a good question. It's a very good question. What player played the furthest above their attributes? Everybody knows what that means, but just in case you don't, Players are given their attributes on their cards, and let's say, like, let's say at Alberto Mondesi, his live series, he's a battle royale glitch. His attributes would never tell you that because he's got low contact, weird power, he's got low PCI, but he hits the crap out of everything. So, like, that would be a guy who fits here. Uh, John, what do you think? Uh, I put 98 Mondesi. That was the first thing that came to my oh, head. Beautiful. Look at that symmetry. That was just the first thought that came to my head. There is no way he actually has 65 power versus righties. That man, he can he can hit it out like he has 110 power. 
it's absolutely insane. Uh, I, I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, he literally, it's just literally one of those examples. And that's when I actually started thinking about it. Like, Hey, there's actual guys in this game that play way above their attributes. And this is the prime example of it. And I'm going to be a stand for my man here. If you watch or listen to the show, you know how much I love face the franchise, George Brett. And that dude raked for me at third base for months on end. I had 650 at-bats with the prestige one, and he hit like 320-something with a bunch of homers and RBIs. And a lot of that was spent not on a monitor, on a TV. So, like, for me, something about his swing and even his low power, I was killing the ball with him. So, just because I want George Brett to come back forever and ever, I'm putting George Brett. Um, but Mondesi is probably the correct answer, whether you choose live series or 98. Um, I mean, clearly we were both on the same page. there, just talking about a different version of the card. So I like that there. Um, what is the silver player you always take in BR? Now I think a lot of people, I don't want to influence your answer here. You tell me whatever you think it is. I think a lot of people will immediately think bat bats here, but like Aaron Bummer, Jake Diekman, I see them. I take them. So I don't know. What do you think? Uh, mine is probably like you stole mine. I was going to go a uh, bummer, but if I'm picking another one, I am probably going to have to go with Merrill Kelly. Um, Ooh, interesting. Okay. Like the usual Moncada, the Tebow, um, Mondesi. I think Merrill Kelly, I really like his card in VR. Uh, he's a lot like Dustin May, who's another silver I really like taking. Uh, he has that sinker cutter as his first main two pitches, curveball, change of four seam. Uh, I just love all his pitches, very easy motion to control. Just, it's really easy to pitch with him and he can go like an inning and a half and he can pit, he'll be like my, my two starter on each BR team I have. So that's, I really like that card. Mm -hmm. So like I said, it would either be Bummer, Diekman, um, three bats that I always take if they show up. Mike Moustakis, silver, always. Um, Heimer Candelario, he's another guy I stand on this on this show. He rakes, and I don't care which version it is, he rakes. Um, say it again? Big Jamer. Oh, that's your dude. That's your dude. That's right. And uh, Silver Joey Votto, I mean, he rakes. And you really never guess looking at his card. He fits on the above the attributes section too. Uh, but for me, I'm going to go Aaron Bummer because getting that lethal lefty in the bullpen – is so important so important and i've i kind of like starting him sometimes because a lot of people will top load their their good lefties and i just want to wipe them out right away right um it was like a 74 mm -hmm. he was in you had eight or nine opportunities to get him in a round that was absolute insanity yeah um Next one, this is, this is not one I really give much thought to, I guess because there are fewer gold rounds, but same question now with gold players. What is the gold item you always take? What, what do you think? Um, I can't, off the top of my head, I think mine definitely has to be 84 Nelson Cruz. Mm -hmm. I, in over 100 at-bats, I hit over 500 with, the, with that card. Absolutely love him. Uh, first both sides. The only thing that's preventing me from going all in on saying that I love the card like way too much is his defense but his bat gets it done so i don't really care especially if i'm playing and ship it right field doesn't mean much he has the he has like 90 arm or something like that so the only things that really matter for him are the uh hits off the wall are they going to go to second and if he if they do you can probably throw him out mm -hmm. i'm trying to rack my brain here 
I think it's two catcher items, and that seems weird, but Kybert Ruiz, 84, is such a good card. Both sides of the plate, he's a, he's a switch hitter. And I think he's an 80, he's an 80 or an 81. That Zach Collins card hits nukes. Yeah, the 80. It's an 80, that's right. Um, I mean, you can even say the 80-something Yasmani Grandal fits here. For some reason, a lot of catchers are coming to my head. Uh, I think I'm personally going to go with Zach Collins because I very much like hitting with him. Um, even though he is a lefty and his attributes don't say he's good against lefties, I have no problem hitting lefties with him. I guess in BR, most of the time, too, you're facing silvers, bronzes, so it's not too difficult. Um, but that's my pick. Uh, if we're forgetting players, by the way, for silver or gold, please let me know on Twitter. Let John know on Twitter. We're open to have this debate. Uh, I think part of what makes this show fun is debating about things after the fact. So please drop it in the comments. Let us know. Um, ooh, okay. Rank your favorite player series, one being your favorite and 13 being your least favorite. Oh, sweet Lord. This one is a homework assignment. Uh, maybe – We'll answer this off air, but let's because this is a long one. But let's just break it down, and maybe we'll say which one's our favorite versus least favorite, and then fill in the blanks later. So the the thirteen categories here are home run derby, signature, monthly awards, prime, tops now, future stars, prospects, obviously live series, postseason, finest, face of the franchise, award series, and players league. So John, what is your favorite? What is your least favorite? Uh, there's a lot of ones that come to mind as my favorites, Tops Now, Finest, but I think I'm going to have to go with Face of the Franchise right here. Oh, um, I 100% agree. Yeah, I really like what they did with it, not only doing it the first time around, which gave us like maybe five cards, like Face of the Franchise, Soto, Gallo, uh, Tatis, Glaber. They gave us a whole lot of cards that we could have we could use for a long time that would have been perfectly great to use. Um, and not only that, but then they came back and they did really good with it for the third stage of Team Affinity with uh, giving us more cards, even cards that we still use to this day, like Al Leiter. Uh, I can't even think of any more off the top of my head, but it was really good. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, I think they maybe botched the rollout of the second wave of Faces of the Franchise. Mm -hmm. I think they did it too soon. Yeah. But that does not mean that I did not like the content. I think Face of the Franchise was a fantastic addition to the game. Um, now, least favorite? I mean, it's such a – I don't think live series should have been included in this question. Right. Because it is inherently the most boring and, like, is phased out almost within, what, a month, really, of the game being out. So I'm going to put live series here and then ask you what your next least favorite is because I'm assuming live series is close to the bottom for you. Yeah, the live series definitely is one I didn't like. Uh, but I think another one is probably the postseason. And, no, wait, I forgot about 2020 postseason. Then never mind. Um, I really need to think. <laughs> I would say I still don't like the prospects. Maybe because we're still missing Wander Franco and Adley Rutschman, but the prospects for me didn't do it. Uh, for me personally, I like the prospects. I, that was the one I was definitely going to go with next. Uh, but I just, I just didn't really – I liked it. It was good. I mean, Mize was good. Pearson was good. Kopech was good. They gave us a whole lot of cards we could use in there. And uh, it, was, it was a difficult collection in the end because definitely after a while, since the cards weren't available anymore, it took like a million stubs just to do that part of it. Hmm. But it was definitely – I think it was good for the time that it was dropped. 
Okay. So I will definitely give this one some thought later. Um, I hope all these content like series come back though. And I hope they add even more. I think there are so many avenues to continue doing creative stuff like this. Um, but again, everybody fill this out. Seriously. This is how we get a better game. Uh, next question. What is your favorite conquest map? And now before we answer that question, a lot of them blend together. I actually kind of like conquest. I kind of like the grind. Um, it's mindless grinding. You can focus on like watching YouTube or Twitch or whatever while you're doing it. Yeah. It's so easy because by the time you're done, it's on veteran rookie and maybe, it, maybe it throws your timing off a little bit, but it's mindless work. Um, I don't know. What, what was your favorite map? Um, I, I'm not even going to lie. I haven't touched conquest in since probably July. Once I started making world series, I just found absolutely no gain to doing conquest. I've always found it boring. And uh, the only times I've done it were the early inning programs. And also I did the USA map. I had no intentions to do it, but there was a glitch that's not out anymore. But you would go into a, C into a conque conquest or CPU game and you would test your internet collect connection while in the Wi-Fi screen, in the lineup screen, sorry. And you would automatically get credit for the win. And like a lot of people like, farm that they did like hours on hours of that free packs uh the end of the game rewards you could get like trout to grom from those but that's how i did the usa conquest map in like, literally 10 minutes uh otherwise that i was not doing that thing i, I personally don't like conquest it's very annoying to me yeah i kind of like you don't play a baseball game for the strategy so to speak like you play it for the in-game strategy but you don't play it for like stratego maps and stuff like that um I, I kind of like playing the USA map for that reason. It gives me a different challenge that you have to think a little bit. So I, I'm going to say the USA map also mostly because it's one of the ones I actually remember. A lot of the other ones kind of blend together. Um, the shark map was a pretty good one too, but I'm going to say USA. Um, okay, we're back to BR questions now. They were not grouped together, these questions. What is the bronze player you always take? <sighs> um the bronze Bruzdar, going back to Bruzdar. Uh, bronze Kopech is pretty good. That's bronze Bruzdar, yeah. Uh, G-Man Choi hits really, really well. Uh, Derek Dietrich, uh, that's a good card. Um, you're going Bruzdar? Yes. I think I'm going to go G-Man. G-Man, I'm okay sometimes even starting him. Uh, Keston Hira is another one. I don't mind starting at second base. He's got a good swing. Stop auto-correcting it to high man Choi. G man Choi. There we go. Um, also, uh, Yankee for about all of six minutes, G man Choi. So, got to rep the former Yankees. Um, this is a very good question. Similar to the pitchers, but more important, I think. When constructing your Diamond Dynasty lineup, what is the most important element you're looking for? Rating, power, speed, team balance, Again, era, not ERA, obviously, because it's hitters. Uh, swing, fielding, or team affiliation, or other. Um, a couple good answers here, but what do you think? For me, it's between swing and team balance. I think I'm going to go with team balance. Uh, for the entire year, I've been thinking a lot strategically about my lineup. So my eight hitters always been like a, a speed guy so that I can steal second, bump with my pitcher, get him over to third. And then you have the top of my lineup coming up. So it's always like Tatis or Jimmy Rollins or Hannes Wagner hitting eighth. I think the balance with my team is definitely how I construct my lineup just so I don't get uh, like messed up when they bring in a Rolds Chapman 
and I have to hit with three guys worth versus lefties. I think definitely team balance has to be how I construct my lineup when I'm thinking of it. Yeah, I'm between balance and swing, like you said. I think I'm going to go with balance because I'm always very cognizant of the lefty-righty split and who is between who. Uh, you know, now that relievers have to stay in for three batters, which is a rule I hate, um, not only do you have to strategize on that as the pitcher, but now as the guy facing the pitcher for three straight batters, you can't have three lefties in a row if it's Chapman. You can't have um, – trying to, you know, just let's just say you can't have – Ken Griffey, Mookie Betts, Larry Walker, because Mookie Betts doesn't hit lefties well. So, you know, you really have to be strategic with how you build your lineup. And team balance also kind of encapsulates everything here. It means power and speed. It means lefty-righty. It means contact power. You know, it means all these different things here. So uh, I'm going to go with team balance because I think good players or even ones with a head on their shoulders are aware of who's hitting where in their lineups. Right. Um. So that's a good point that you made about hitting or, or positioning a speedy player eighth. It's not something I ever really think of because yeah. bunting, I think, is still kind of a broken mechanism a little bit in this game. Uh, there are definitely some people who bunt better than others, and I mean as, like, players and users. Um, I but I really don't bunt as much as I probably should. Yeah, I don't bunt at all. Like, the only time I will bunt is with my pitcher with the runner on base. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not one of those guys because I know people will do it back to me. Uh, I did it one time. Uh, I was doing a video speed team, uh, and I bunted once with Ty Cobb, and I was going to hit away with the rest of them. But then this guy unloads his bench. He has Mondesi, Ty Cobb, Jimmy Rollins, and he's just unloading them, bunt, and I can't stop it. No matter what you shift, the bunt will still not be – it won't be easy to get him out. Yeah. I think – talk about eliminating trolls from the game. I mean, bunting is part of baseball. Bunting is legal. Um, it's kind of up to you to stop it, but there's got to be something that can be done about bunt trolls. Uh, I don't know what that answer is. Maybe that requires like a town hall focus group or something. Um, but that is, you're right. It's such a frustrating thing to have to deal with, um, especially on the higher difficulties. You'd expect people not to do that because they know how to hit. They got there for a reason. Um, so we've got two more questions here. Pretty straightforward. Who is your favorite content creator or standout member of the MLB The Show community? Um, you guys should all answer Awesome John 21. But, uh, John, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, – I personally, for this question, uh, I was looking at it before we started the episode, and I was actually, like, thinking about it because one of my favorite content creators and probably my favorite is probably Yayo. Uh, I've known him. I've been a sub to him on Twitch for over a year. Friend of the show. Yeah, considering one of my good friends. But I, I really want to give attention here to those guys that don't go notice that are really, really good content creators. But SDS just doesn't see them. And uh, I put Kyle23 down right here. I think he's arguably my, co- my closest friend in the community. He is. He's just submitted his partner application for the second time. Uh, I think he's going to get it this time. And he's just he's such a good overall player content creator i think sds really needs to consider him as an as an ambassador uh as one of those people that they want representing them in their community uh in terms of content creating and competitiveness kind of merged together that's one of the reasons why i love doing this show is i get to talk to guys like you and ty and even yayo to some extent i know he's recognized by sds but like yayo's on the up uh, i get to talk to serenity who is also on the up in his content creating career. And I get to meet these people and, and hear their stories. 
And I think it is so important for SDS to continue doing the work they're doing to recognize new people. Um, you know, they'll recognize people based on how loudly the community speaks and based on how loudly we represent these people. Uh, so I think your answer is fantastic. Um, you know, in this bucket, you're going to get a lot of shelfy, coogs, um, scuffy, movie gaming, probably a lot of yayo, a lot of people like that, uh, quash, and like those are all people who deserve it. Um, first thing my mind goes to is Daddy Dimu and Kevin God, just because yes, they have these huge followings and they're supremely popular, um, and even McGunsky. But like because of the way their content is produced, it's a little more on the vulgar side, so SDS does not really recognize it. Right. Um, I understand why, because a baseball game is for all ages, but at the same time, these guys are big ambassadors for your game and for your, your company. Um, this is a question I'm actually going to really think about, and I want to put some thought into this part. Again, like I said, like I feel as someone who hosts this show, I want to give the voice to people who don't have it as much as I can. So all these names we mentioned are definitely in contention here, and I, I really want to think this one through. This is a great question. Um, hopefully, which means they'll be now alerted to new people that they've never heard of before. Um, and the last one, we are back again to pitchers that we're bad off of. Uh, what starting pitcher player item is the most difficult for you to hit? What do you think? 1,000%. James Paxton, really? Okay. Auto send a friendly every time. You could have a lineup full of all commons, and I will I will literally send you a friendly because I can't hit Paxton, no matter if it's a righty or lefty. And I pitch well with him, too. The lefty-lefty, the cutter outside, the sinker inside, the knuckle curve, the changeup, I can't hit it. And then righty-lefty, uh, sinker going outside, cutter going inside, fastball going high, curveball going high, low, changeup. <laughs> it's too much. The I, kitchen I, sink. It's so, it's so infuriating sometimes. I'm between 99 Oral Hershiser, who I love using, but that sinker, even when you know it's coming and you know where it's going to be, it's a bowling ball. Right. Just really for that pitch alone, I'm considering him. Uh, but I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit here. He's a guy that you don't see a ton, but you see enough that it makes sense. 97 Vita Blue. Something about his delivery and his pitch mix, I just – maybe I'm sitting on the wrong pitches. Maybe I'm not reacting fast enough. I can't hit any Vita Blue card. Um, so I'm going to go with that one. James Paxson, I find myself – you know, I don't torch him. I hit him okay. Um, it's not that I feel super overmatched. He can be a little frustrating, though. Um, but I'm going to go Vita Blue here. Yeah, I think in terms of uh, other pitches that you don't see often, 97 Future Stars Force Whitley – I can't mm. hit that card well either. He's I love using him. 100 sinker, 75 changeup, and he's he's really underrated. I consider him using using him for a spot start. Uh, he's definitely not easy to hit. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay, guys. So this has been the survey. Again, please, please, please fill it out, John. How important is it for the people to fill out this survey? Oh, it is extremely, extremely important for them. Uh, SDS sees the comments under their posts, like where's 21 news. And if you at them saying, why is this happening? I've seen Ramon like personally reply to a tweet and like, know they're doing something about it, but in order for them to gain a broader perspective, I think you definitely need to uh, fill out this survey. And this is one of the things that they'll mainly see. 
Cool. So, guys, now you guys know the drill. We're going to hear from our friends at Thrive Fantasy. Um, big update for everyone. Last week, uh, I announced that I am now a contributing blog writer for Thrive Fantasy. Uh, I have a couple posts a week on the NBA uh, player prop lines you should go after. Um, we'll be doing some NFL as well. When baseball season comes around, that's going to be the focus. Uh, but if you guys like player props, Thrive Fantasy is for you. Uh, Thrive Fantasy has eliminated the need to do countless hours of research like those other daily fantasy sports apps because it only asks you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. Excuse me. To play games on Thrive Fantasy, choose five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on how likely it is to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points possible, and you can win a share of the prize pool. If you're looking to play games and make that money uh, during, I guess, the NFL playoffs, the NBA season, NHL, eSports, take your pick. Use promo code THESHOWTHEPOD when you sign up for Thrive Fantasy today, and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of 20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by going online to www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. So, John, we have reached the point in the episode where I like to talk to the content creator about the content creator. So, what blows me away here is that you are 14. As I said before, I am double your age, and that makes me feel like I should be in a nursing home. Um, you're a big Tigers fan. You've been streaming for a year and a half. You do all of this while – going to high school, I guess maybe virtually even now going to high school, at least for the time being, but also, you know, you're balancing friends, you're balancing homework, you're balancing sports that you might be allowed to play right now with the pandemic going on. So basically just like, are you the busiest person in the world? Uh, not <laughs> as much as you would think. Uh, definitely. I, I definitely could be a lot more productive at times, but uh, I, I feel like I've been doing a pretty good job of balancing um, everything between in real life stuff and content and just playing the game for fun, just talking to my friends and spending time with my family. I feel like I've been doing a really good job of that. And it, it took some adjusting at first, but once you get into a routine uh, with school, with everything, it just becomes really easy to balance. And one of the things that I like about you is you kind of, I passively knew some of this stuff, but you reminded me as we were talking before we started recording. You're not just doing Twitch, you're on YouTube, you're doing TikTok stuff like you told me. You are finding new ways to do content and being creative with the, the platforms you're using. And that's, that's a concept that like people my age don't understand. And at 14, you're, you're doing unique stuff. So kind of what is your approach to making content and diversifying it based on kind of what platform you're using? Uh, so I spent, uh, I, like I said, like you said, started streaming about a year and a half ago. Uh, I didn't really dedicate myself to streaming. I mean, I was just doing it mainly because I saw other people doing it in the community and it seemed cool to me. So I started doing it. I was in those days where it was just like one person in here and that one person was me. Uh, I went through all those like little like bad, bad days in content. But I just, after that, I like sat down for like an hour and I just wrote down everything I wanted to accomplish. I uh, wrote down what I needed to do to do it. And I was like, okay, maybe I need to take like a, a week or a month and I just need to look and I just need to watch and see what people are doing. So I was going through streams, I was going through videos, I was looking at methods, I was talking to people 
I was like, okay, how can I grow and diversify my content? Uh, just like be more on Twitch and Ray Cheesy has helped me a lot. And he's, he's said something that's really stuck with me for a while. It's you need to make yourself discoverable when you're not on your main platform. So my main platform is probably Twitch. So that's when I, that's why I picked up TikTok and uh, that's just really helped. Uh, it's just, it's just random people. It's, you just got to figure out the algorithm, which is mainly hashtags for me. Uh, you just got to find those people and that's going to drive more people to your main platform. Uh, I also put it, put my TikToks on YouTube shorts and those videos, like those absolutely go crazy. Thousands of views, hundreds. It's, it's really insane. It drives more people to you. So now I'm looking and I'm actually now getting followers when I'm offline from Twitch. And that's just really what I wanted to do, which was just to have people find me when I'm not live and that then they just remember you. And I saw something also on Adobe uh, when I was looking, I was making a thumbnail actually. And on one of their loading screens, they put something, it takes five to seven impressions for somebody to remember you. And that's, I feel like a lot of people remember me with all the TikToks, YouTubes, tweets, uh, streams. I feel like people like I'm, I'm in their heads now. They know who I am. And so my next question is, I don't mean to like put you on the spot with this question, but it is something where like, I want to describe to people the pace of growth on a platform like Twitch. So a year and a half ago, you have one viewer and it's yourself. Yes. What's your follower viewer like average like now? I mean, have you seen the type of growth that makes you confident in the future or are you still maybe on that grind? What, what do you think? I'm um, definitely pretty, pretty, I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. Uh, I was at maybe seven average in November. And then in December and January, I'm averaging 32 to, I'm averaging like 32 viewers in the past. That's awesome. Uh, I've just, I, like I said, I was just watching. Uh, I was taking notes. I was, I was being sure I'm watching, seeing what people like. And people are looking for that mix between uh, gameplay and just personality. Now, since MLB is like a, we know it's a dying game. Uh, the new one's about to come out. A lot of people are playing 2K, Madden, uh, Fortnite. They're not playing MLB as much, but the people that are sticking around are dedicated to the game. So those people are going to be looking for streams to go into. And when there's not anybody live, when Chev isn't live, when Weens isn't live, when Kyle isn't live, those people are just looking for a stream to go to because I'm one of those people that like having streams up while I play the game. So once you're one of the only people live, that's when people just come in and you just, it's just the right time. It's just the timing. Who else is live? You just, you of course have to be like good at what you do, not to toot my own horn, but I feel good away than uh, from where I was. And that's a good point that we don't need to totally rehash, but We've talked about this before with even, I think me and Ty talked about this. It's like, we're at a point in the game cycle where yes, clearly the game is a little way, you know, on the way down, but now is your time as a smaller streamer, which I don't, again, I never say that as an insult, but if you are a smaller streamer, someone just getting into it, someone who's a little inconsistent, figure it out now, figure it out while the game is on the way down. Because like John said, so many of the bigger streamers or other streamers are kind of dabbling in other things right now. This is your time to dig your own niche out. And by the time 21 comes around, people are going to know your name. And, and that is so important. Uh, that's why I don't take breaks on this podcast, other than maybe a computer issue, which might happen in the future. This is a weekly podcast, whether the game is in season or not, because I want people to know this, this podcast name by the time the next game comes out. Um, and I think 
John, to, to hear you say that. It's refreshing that some, again, I, I, I don't mean to keep harping on your age, but you are young. Someone your age who knows that you clearly have a very good head on your shoulders. Um, and I guess the YouTube game, something you kind of just started July or August, you said is, is when you first really started picking up with it. What has been your experience growing on a platform where it's a little harder to grow? I think. Um, I think it definitely has been a lot, a lot more difficult to grow on YouTube. Um, I'm just going to say it. I'm like in the, for my usual videos, I'm like 20 to 40 viewers. Usually Uh, I occasionally have the like 400 video, but the mostly it's between 20 and 50 for me. Um, And it's, it's gonna, it seems like sometimes on some days where I'm just in my own head, it's like, well, I spent 45 minutes recording a video. I spend two and a half hours editing the video for 25 views at times. It doesn't seem like it's worth it. But then I I look back and I see, like, I recount all the things in my life, like the baseball back in the day uh, where I had to spend hours practicing just to get on a team. Uh, The Twitch grind, I just had to spend hours sitting alone in my own chat, uh, talking to myself. That's prepared me really for for when I get up there. And it's been climbing up there for sure. So I just need to be ready for um, when it gets up there because I got to be ready to keep the grind up and keep putting out the content that I like need to be putting out. You know, and they always say to follow your passion. And I truthfully think people need to follow their passions. But it does come to a certain age for some people, a certain point where it's like, okay, now it's like, I don't have the time anymore to do this. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. Now's the time to give up. But at 14 years old with your entire life ahead of you, keep practicing this editing, keep practicing this recording, keep practicing doing voiceover stuff. I mean, like you could turn editing into a career. You could turn content creation into a career and you never know what one video is going to light you up. So I a hundred percent agree that, you know, this is something that if you're passionate about it, keep, keep plugging along. You know, it's, everything's a slow burn. Nothing happens. Well, almost nothing happens overnight. Um, But yeah, I think that's a great point to make. Sometimes, you're going to put a lot of hard work into things that aren't going to yield the result you think, but you've probably gotten a lot better at editing since you started. I would imagine. Yeah. What is the key in your mind? I know you're still a rookie kind of at it too, but what is the key to editing just strict gameplay? There are so many different ways to edit MLB content, but we're talking just gameplay. What's, what's your uh, opinion on that? Uh, Well, a lot of streamers that I'll watch will record videos on stream I tried that and it, it simply annoyed me. So I record them. Uh, so since my computer is old and I have the, I have a capture card, the one that Serenity uses, it works fine, but my computer is not really compatible for, it's not really great, like for recording or editing, or I mean, recording or streaming off the computer to, uh, from the PS4, but I can like record still like slideshows of card arts and stuff like that. But for me, it's, it's just a process. Like I have to, change the broadcast setting on the ps4 to 60 seconds and then i'll i'll talk through it and then when nothing's happening like when it's just in the middle of a count i'll just be silent and then when something happens that i want in the video i'll talk and that makes the video editing half easier because now i know exactly where i need to edit because that's where there's no like voice like mm-hmm. wave voice marks that's where i don't need to edit and that just makes it a whole lot easier than having to go through and sort through every single batter. Uh, I think that's why it's been a lot easier for me. That's a, that's a great call. And where do you stand on less versus more? Uh, sometimes, you know, 
there, there's two approaches. Some people edit just on the pitch where the outcome happens, whether it's the strikeout or the contact or whatever it is. And some people give you kind of a couple pitches of buildup, like, oh, something's about to happen here. Pay attention. What, what do you think? What do you opt for? Uh, for me personally, I'm just going off of my experience. So if I've looked at my demographics. I think analytics is one thing I like looking at on all my platforms. And definitely my audience is from 13 to like 25. Main, my main audience is from there. So uh, I think I think for me personally, short attention span. So I like to have my videos be 10, 15 minutes long tops, unless it's like some some like really special video, because I, I, I just don't think anyone's going to stay there for a bunch of pitches, like just jibbering and jabbering and talking about random stuff. I like the the get to the gameplay and um, just do that. That's what I personally think. I think people are there for the gameplay more than just me talking, especially since my camera's not on when I record. Uh, I think people are definitely there a lot more for the uh, gameplay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So now, John, we've got about 10 minutes left, and we got to talk Tigers, man. Uh, I know that can be sometimes touchy to talk about, at least given the current state of the organization. But – when we were just before recording, you're like, "Oh, World Series 2022." Uh, tell me, tell me why you are confident. Tell me what I'm clearly not seeing. You know what? What is up with the Tigers in 2022? Okay, I, I laid out this whole plan. <laughs> okay, so we the past two years we've drafted Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green in the first round for the draft, and we got AJ Hinch as our manager this offseason. So 2021, we're probably going to be, I'll say third in the central. It'll be like a couple games back of the wild card. We'll, we'll surprise a lot of people, but we won't make the playoffs. Um, I think AJ Hinch is definitely going to need a year to get used to, you know, managing a young squad. I think Riley Green and Torkelson come up in September for the call-ups uh, just to get some work in. But I don't think the Tigers make the playoffs this year. But I think in 2022, since Verlander has uh, Tommy John, he comes back in mid-2021. So he'll be a free agent at the end of next season. And I think he's going to retire. I think he'll want – he'll finish out the 2021 season, then sign a one-year deal with the Tigers, especially since they got Hinch, and he's pretty good friends with Hinch. Uh, Torkelson and Green come up in 2022. Verlander signs. They get some other big name for their infield. And boom, Mize, Scoobal, Fiedo, Manning, all of our prospects are goaded, and we win the title. Yay. <laughs> I will say – the Tigers were bad the last couple of years. The benefit of them sucking to such a high level is that their young pitchers, whether they were top prospects or not, got trials by fire. Oh. And the second this team becomes good or becomes close to good, they're going to be ready because they know what it's like to suck at this level. But they've got so much of the talent. And, you know, all it takes is – refining one more pitch to turn around a pitcher for as a starting pitcher. Yeah. So I think the pitching is something I'm relatively confident in moving forward. Yeah. Again, maybe not next year, probably more like two or three years from now, but I see your 2022. I'll give you your 2022. Um, I don't see the bats. I don't see the lineup. I think the lineup really, really needs some work. And I'm sure I don't need to tell you that other than our boy Jamer. I don't think they have much to work with here. 
Yeah, uh, Jacoby Jones, he was injured a lot this season, but he definitely had a good year as well. Uh, I think he'll be, I, I think he'll be pretty good uh, like this year. I think he'll have that starting center fielder spot. I don't think he'll be anything like to talk about. I think he'll have probably like 250, 260, nothing terrible. Uh, Nico Goodrum will bounce back. He just had an off year. I'm fine with that. Willie Castro, Harold Castro, really good. Uh, like I said, we need that, we need that name to uh, come over. Miggy's going to DH. He's probably going to retire in 2022 as well. Uh, but we got we got some names for sure. Jamer is a third baseman primary. Uh, he slid over to first when Miggy went to DH. But uh, if Torkelson's a first baseman, I think. He's either first or third base, but either way, Jamer and Tork will be at first and third. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just going to bolster the offense. Riley Green's an outfielder. So it's just we just need a name, I think. Uh, I think we need a decent – a decent second baseman like uh, like Jonathan Scope. If we can re-sign Scope, we'll be great. Uh, we'll be golden for that 2022 year. And another outfielder, not like a Mike Trout outfielder, more like a like a Michael Brantley type outfielder, like a like hmm. a veteran, you know, like a 270, 280 type of hitter. Yeah, the thing is, I think Detroit offensively is in a very weird position. So obviously, let's just get it out in the open. Money talks. Yes. Robinson Cano didn't go to the Mariners because they were good. He went to the Mariners because they offered him every money that they have in their account. Oh, yeah. But the Tigers, based on what we've seen the last couple of years, they're not exactly an attractive place to hit. First of all, they don't have the pitching to carry a bad offense. Not yet. That will probably come soon. But right now they don't. And secondly, if you're a good hitter or even an average hitter, why the hell would you want to play in Comerica Park? Right. Because anything you hit to center field is an out unless you smoke it 440 off the bat. So, like, it's – they've made that park more of a hitter's park in recent years. They've moved some fences in. They've moved some stuff around. Mm -hmm. And I know the ball is juiced, so everybody can hit the ball out, it seems like, at this point. But I just – I was never more than a slap hitter. So I'm not going to pretend to know what this feels like. But if mm -hmm. I was a real hitter who could put the ball over the fence, I would not want to play ever in Detroit. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. So they have to grow some guys like Torkelson, who are homegrown, who they'll have control over for six, seven years, who will reach their prime at the end of their contract, and then maybe they leave, or maybe they start loving the city so much they stay. I don't think they're going to do well in free agency. It's probably going to be trades and prospects. Mm -hmm. That's what um. Are there other free agent guys like a Brantley you think who, who might be interesting or guys a couple years down the line you, you think would fit there? Uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I know a lot of a lot of outfielders won't like Detroit. That's why I said we just need like a mid-level outfielder, left fielder that can play, that can play like decent defense um, that can possibly slide over to center field. But they just need to be able to play some defense, hit 280, maybe even 290 at best, but we, we don't want to spend that much, too much money on that outfield spot, but we definitely also have some prospects that can definitely cover uh, that left field spot. Maybe like a, maybe even Jorge Soler, if we're going to get real with it, maybe Nomar Mazzara, Jorge Soler, just a, just a power hitter. Cause we need that in the lineup right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can see that. Uh, and now far, as far as the game goes, that will be the show. I told you, we always ask the content creators on here, which cards, we don't have from their favorite teams. The Tigers have such a storied history that I feel like we have a good, good amount of cards. And when it comes to making the, you know, all-time Tigers team build, 
you got plenty of options based on guys who've played on other teams and come back or, you know, Justin Verlander fits there. Where do you see the Tigers in this game? Who are we still missing that you'd love to have? Maybe like uh, first one that comes to my head is like a Maglio Ordonez. I'd love that. But, but who else? That was going to be my first name, I said. Uh, but a Cecil fielder and a Prince fielder, mm-hmm. I think they need to do something next Father's Day. Give us like, give us a program. Give us the Griffies. Give a, I mean, make them like ninety, like ninety-six to ninety-sevens or ninety-eights. But give us the Griffies. Give us the Bichettes. Give us the Fielders. Give us, uh, just give us like that father-son thing. The Fielders are definitely a really good set of new legends that a lot of people would want to see. Uh, both power bats. Uh, they would be both bench bats probably. But I, w- I love their swings. Uh, I did Prince Fielder's cap swing. I haven't posted that one yet, but I do have it. He he hits tanks. His cap swing does. Uh, it's nice. It's 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 the Prince Fielder swing. You know, it's the long home run, majestic majestic swing. And mm-hmm. sorry, that's exactly what I want to see uh, in the game. And now I this is crazy to say. I don't think you were born the last time the Tigers were in the World Series. What was it? Two thousand six. Uh, two thousand. That's when I was born. Yes. No. So. Well, twelve. They was got, it 12? They got swept by the Giants. Oh, that's when it was. Were they also in the series in six? What am I thinking of? Uh, um, well, either way, 2012, you were probably just realizing how important baseball would be in your life. So I don't know how much you remember from that World Series, especially because they got swept. But, like, are there any guys from that team, that era, that you'd want to have back? Uh, I don't remember too much, but I, I've seen uh, from – I've seen Brandon Inge. That seems like an interesting card that would come out. Uh, I definitely think he would be like a maybe 115s in the contact and maybe like 80s in the power, like a like a Craig Biggio uh, without mm-hmm. the speed, or the uh, like Jackie Robinson without the speed. I think that's the type of Brandon Inch card we would get, and that's kind of what I want to see as well. Cool. So, guys, this has been episode 25 of the show, the podcast. Let's just recap very quickly here. Fill out the damn survey, please, and don't fill it out like a troll. Really, you know, you don't have to spend 30 minutes like we just did filling it out. A lot of this was also us talking back and forth and having a little bit of, you know, healthy debate. But take five, ten minutes, read the questions, fill it out, make this game better for everybody. I know this survey really is kind of just surface level. It didn't ask us what do you hate about MLB The Show, but still. These are the surveys where if MLB The Show and SDS see that we will answer honestly, that's when they'll give us the good stuff. That's when they'll give us a, like, what mode do you want to see back? What mode can it be improved? You know, you got to start with baby steps. So please take the time, fill out the survey. Uh, second of all, John, most importantly, really, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm glad we can make this work. I know we've been talking about it probably for a, a month or so now, maybe even a little longer. Um, one last time, let everybody know where they can find you. Every platform, plug yourself here. Uh, awesome John Twenty One on Twitch. Awesome John Twenty One Gaming on YouTube. Awesome John Gaming on TikTok, and uh, Awesome John Twenty One on Twitter. That's usually where I'm most active. And I will link everything humanly possible of John's down below. I'm pointing down below because I'm on YouTube and I'm a cool YouTube person. So I'm going to point where everything goes in the comment section. Uh, Thank you. John is doing it as well. If you guys are listening, thank you so much. If you're watching, rate, review, subscribe. Please, please subscribe because when this new computer comes, whenever the hell it's coming, the YouTube game is going to be a little different. I think we're going to record every podcast with video, even if it's just me looking like a fool by myself. We're going to start – 
2021 making the grind and, and just seeing how far we can go with this thing. I really love doing it as you guys all know. Um, and whatever happens, if we take a two week break until the new computer comes, we are coming back stronger than ever. So again, thank you guys so much for listening to the show, the podcast. I will talk to you all hopefully next week, maybe sometime soon, definitely before the end of the year. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Show, The Podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at The Show, The Pod for opinions, updates, and so much more. Become a patron at patreon.com slash the show, the podcast to support the show. For $5 a month, you'll get exclusive access to bonus interviews with MLB The Show content creators. For $10 a month, you'll get the bonus interviews plus the chance to play me in an online friendly each month you're a member. That's it for now. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'll see you at Ship It.